August 29, 2008. Presumptive Republican nominee for president, John McCain, holds a rally in Dayton, Ohio where he announces and introduces his vice presidential running mate. She knows where she comes from and she knows who she works for. She stands up for what's right and she doesn't let anyone tell her to sit down. She's fought oil companies and party bosses and do-nothing bureaucrats and anyone who puts their interests before the interests of the people she swore an oath to serve. She's exactly who I need. She's exactly who this country needs to help me fight. To help me fight the same old Washington politics of me first and country second. My friends and fellow Americans, I am very pleased and very privileged to introduce to you the next Vice President of the United States Governor Sarah Palin of the great state of Alaska. Well, it's always, though, safer in politics to avoid risk, to just kind of go along with the status quo. But I didn't get into government to do the safe and easy things. A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not why the ship is built. Politics isn't just a game of competing interests and clashing parties. The people of America expect us to seek public office and to serve for the right reasons. And the right reason is to challenge the status quo and to serve the common good. True crime. Sex. Political conspiracy. Celebrity gossip. Murder. UFOs. Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scandal Sheets. And today, in the category of celebrity gossip, we are going to examine the career of one of America's most influential and fascinating 21st century personalities, former Alaskan governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin. We do this on the occasion that Governor Palin recently announced that she is again seeking a federal political office after a 14-year absence. My name is Thad Helsley, and I am joined by co-host Ellie. Hello from Alaska, and I'm super excited to talk about our star Sarah Palin this morning. Well, that's, I was going to ask you because it's, we don't usually get the opportunity to spotlight, except for yourself, people in your adopted home state. So yeah, are you really excited? I'm really excited just to talk about it. We don't normally have that much drama that that happens that the rest of the lower 48 cares about. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to chat about this. So let's go. Okay. And and you know, I also can never resist getting updates about your weather. So have you finally hung up the snowshoes for the season or are you still waiting to see the the tips of the grass appear uh uh, in the snow? Well, both. So, I mean, we, we, have, most of the snow is melted in Southeast. And so there are a few little piles like on the North end of a bank or something in my yard, we still have a few little snow piles, but the grass has not yet turned green. So green up hasn't happened, but breakup has happened. So we're in that middle phase where things are pretty brown, but at least they're dry. So you can go for a run on the sidewalks and stuff and not be tromping through slush or need your snowshoes so the snowshoes are in yes put up for the season all right well that grill is coming awesome and we are joined by our brilliant artificial intelligence bernice hello everyone cloud-based computer intelligences don't wear makeup as we are literally digital ones and zeros where would you put it but if i could wear lipstick i would for sarah palin so Bernice and Ellie, we have a 
very special guest with us today. His name is Joe Duffus. He has appeared uh, on a previous podcast that uh, we produced called From the Cheap Seats, but that was a little while back. He was he was then commenting on food, but uh, uh, Joe has been a uh, colleague of mine and, and friend and, and uh, competitive co-chef of mine for some time, but Joe, would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you're up to these days? Well, hi, Ellie, and, and hi, Thad. It's, it's great to be here. I was... Uh, I was with that. I was in the newspaper business for 30 years, and I helped drive it into the ground. I think that's <laughs> I think we both did, didn't yeah. we? That was our job, to destroy the newspaper yeah, industry. We, yeah, we pretty, much, we pretty much leveled it in our wake. Uh, and I, I went on from the newspaper business. I work now for a nonprofit group called the Government Accountability Institute that uh, is run by Peter Schweitzer, the, the author, and... We're involved in exposing cronyism and corruption, so that that keeps me busy, and I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome, awesome. So, as we said, our episode today is about Sarah Palin. Bernice, can you briefly summarize Governor Palin's astonishing career? Certainly. Born Sarah Louise Heath on February 11, 1964, Sarah distinguished herself as a teenager in beauty pageants, as a basketball player, and a flutist. After she graduated from college she was a popular sportscaster on two TV channels in Anchorage. Palin was elected to the mayor of her hometown, Wasilla, in 1996 at the age of only 32. In 2006, she became both the youngest person and the first woman to be elected governor of Alaska. Palin was nominated for the vice presidency in 2008 on the John McCain ticket. She was the first Republican female vice presidential nominee. The McCain-Palin ticket ended up losing the 2008 election to then-Senators Barack Obama and Joe Biden. But Palin retained millions of passionate fans. After the 2008 election, she resigned her Alaskan governorship 18 months before her term ended, despite significant local criticism. Immediately afterward, she became a popular cable television personality, book author, and political commentator. In April 2010, she was selected as one of the world's 100 most influential people by Time magazine. So, Ellie and Joe, before we dive into Governor Palin's uh, remarkable career, I did want to quickly talk about her remarkable state, and it may be even the coolest state, and both Ellie and the governor have it in common, and that is Alaska, and Alaska is America's largest state by square miles. In fact, the next largest, Texas, is only half the size, but at the same time, it is one of the smallest populations in the country which is why they only have this one lone congressional seat, so uh, which Sarah Palin is running for. And I think Alaska is also considered to be America's very last wild frontier. I mean, it's got this magnificent natural beauty and rich history, and there's, there's just a romance to the state that you don't think about when you think about, like, Nebraska. I mean, nothing against Nebraska. But, Joe, what do you, what do you think? Do you agree with that statement about Alaska? Oh, it's a wonderful place. Uh, we went there on vacation uh, a few years ago, and the thing that that sticks with you when you go there is just how vast it is and how beautiful it is. Uh, the other thing that sticks with you is how eagles are basically like pigeons up there. I mean, I'm a kid who grew up <laughs> in New York City, you know, and we get used to seeing pigeons everywhere, and eagles are like that up in Alaska. They're just they're they're nuisances. There's so many of them. So, Ellie, what about you? Are we dissing on your state? Absolutely not. No, I, I think your your description is spot on. And I know that a lot of people who do visit the state are, like Joe, are very just, you know, inspired by the untouched land and the beauty of the state. And I think it does call to a lot of people who have that adventurous spirit, whether you want to, you know, go to Alaska and homestead, which is something that, I mean, that was 
really something in a, our current lifetime that people have been able to do. If you just want to go, you know, work and live off the land, it's it's very much a state where you can you really can work to have a better life for yourself. And you know, a lot of cities and states, I think, in the lower forty eight now are very historic. When you walk around, right, like when you walk around something like Boston, you're looking at what the city was, right? You're looking at the history of the the significance of the city, whereas Alaska is still still booming as far as like what is on what's next for Alaska. Everybody's really excited about what's next. And so when you go to some place like Alaska, I think it's probably the same mindset that maybe they used to have in Nebraska or, you know, Colorado, like back in the late 1800s of just like, you know, how how can we make this, you know, a, a great place to live? And I mean, it only became a state in the late 50s, which is in a lot of people's lifetime who's who are still alive. So yeah, it's it's a it's a really neat wild frontier, and you know there are more bears and moose than people. So it it is pretty neat. <laughs> Although I won't forget that um, we took a day trip and we we made it about half the distance from Anchorage to um, uh, to Denali, but we wound up in this little town called I think it was Talkeetna. Yeah, that has that has a cat for a mayor. Um, I think you're. <laughs> That's right. a fantastic it's... segue, actually. <laughs> and that was sort of going to be my next comment because, uh, as great as Alaska is, it does have a reputation for being a little bit weird. I mean, not as weird as Florida, but things do happen there that don't happen elsewhere. And in addition to that, that mayor story, one of the people running against Governor Palin for the congressional seat is a council member of a town literally called the North Pole. And the name of the individual is, his legal name is Santa Claus. So I don't know, uh, Ellie, is, is, is the reputation justified or are the rest of us just jealous? Yeah, it's 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 justified. I think it takes a special <laughs> kind of person to want to live in Alaska, especially a place like North Pole. So North Pole is right outside Fairbanks. And people, I think, mostly just live in Fairbanks just to tell you that they live in Fairbanks. Because it does get that most daylight, like it's mostly daylight around the summer solstice. It's mostly, you know, dark during the winter solstice. They'll claim that they've got three whole hours of daylight just because the sun is above the horizon and whatever. But it's like Fairbanks is awful in the winter because it's like minus 30 and I mean like dry and then in in the summer it gets like pretty hot right like it'll get you know upper 70s low 80s up in Fairbanks and of course nobody in Alaska has air conditioning so and the salmon don't even run up to Fairbanks so it's like I don't understand why people are super proud to live in Fairbanks so North Pole is right outside Fairbanks also people think Fairbanks is a huge city it's not it's like 25,000 people And so North Pole is like a suburb of Fairbanks. And hmm. yeah, so so anybody who claims to like be super pumped to live up in that area is automatically on my radar as like just a little nutso because they get the worst extremes of like each season and the salmon don't even run up there. So why what are you doing? And and they don't get a lot of snow either. They get less precipitation, I think, than Tucson. So Wow. Yeah, I'm always suspicious of people who live up there. You're right. They're a little weird. The rest of Alaska is weird, but not as weird as Fairbanks people. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's get back to the governor herself. Um, Joan Ellie. So, uh, you know, and you can't talk about her without uh, mentioning that she, she just happens to be female. And when I think of famous and influential women in American history, you know, I guess I think of a lot of first ladies, but most of the women that spring to my mind, and maybe it's because I'm a man, are largely celebrities and entertainers. And often they are highly sexualized uh, people in the media. So I think of Marilyn Monroe, Madonna, Beyonce, Kim Kardashian. But but uh, unlike them, the governor, Governor Palin, rose from obscurity and bootstrapped her way into the national spotlight. So I mean, what do you guys think? Is that an unfair characterization? I'll let Joe go first. As a politician, I, I, you know, I think as a as a politician, she definitely took a different tack. Uh, the one thing that I do know about the 
political landscape up there <clears throat> is that it was very much a machine controlled mostly by the Republicans, and she really didn't play. She did not play with the, you know, with the powers that be up in the Alaska Republican Party, but she became a mayor and she was a member of the city council and uh, and really rose, I think, on the strength of, of her personality um, and on the strength of the fact that, that she was not afraid to say things that people didn't want her to say. Um, hmm. It's very un, it's very unusual for somebody like that to be successful, and I think Alaska is one of the places where somebody like that can be successful. Well, and you you know what she was mayor, but she was also um, uh, she was also on the board of a very powerful statewide commission on yeah. petroleum um, affairs. You know, sort of like the Gaming Commission in Nevada, and she apparently went up against the oil companies. Uh, and even at one point resigned because she couldn't, uh, she felt there was too much corruption. I don't know if that's true. That's what I read. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Ellie, uh, please go ahead. I mean, what do you, I mean, two things, what, uh, what I said about Governor Palin, but also, I mean, what do you think as a woman? I mean, when you look at, okay, you know, women in America, uh, you know, there's not a lot of them that get, that get, uh, you know, national attention like this. I know. Yeah, I, I would agree with what Joe said. I, you know, she's she's such a likable person, right? I mean, she ran for city council in Wasilla back in like 1992, and won with 530 votes. And I think that's how a lot of politicians get their start. You know, if you start in a small town, you kind of work your way up. But you know, she then ended up just running for mayor because she was concerned that they weren't spending the city sales tax wisely. And you know, that's a valid reason to run for any political office. I mean, I think she she liked her community, she was involved in her community. And after her stint as mayor, there was in the early 2000s talk of her running for the US Senate seat against Lisa Murkowski. And you know, she said, I'm not going to do it because I have kids, I can't be the team mom when I am like running for Senate. So I think she's just a very likable mom figure. And you're right, Joe, like she's not afraid to say what she thinks. So she's kind of that perfect, almost like mom who just has, she has a filter, but she, she doesn't use it often, you know? And, and I think people really like that. She was like a breath of fresh air who, you know, she really prioritized her kids and she really prioritized her family and she really prioritized her community of Wasilla. And then Fast forward to 2008, she was just kind of thrust in, or I'm sorry, 2007, she was just kind of thrust into the public setting and really gained a lot of national attention there. But she, I mean, she she had mostly a small town career and I, I think was just very liked in, in Alaska, which is a small place. It was kind of easy to gain ground, so... Well, when I first pitched this idea to you, because because she had announced her candidacy, you were like, eh, you know, didn't you say I wasn't even old enough to vote when she was running on the on the McCain ticket? So you didn't really have an opportunity to vote for or against her. But now, since this Alaska only has that one seat, she's unavoidably up in your face. I mean, you're going to have to make a choice, right? I know. Well, yeah, that's the funny thing, right? Is that that I mean, that was 14 years ago. So just to make everybody feel old, if you were less than 32 years, or if you're less than 32 years old right now, then you know, yeah, you weren't voting on the McCain Palin ticket back then. So I think it's it it didn't really stick out to me until I started to learn more about the campaign. So this election cycle is pretty special. It's like a new way of voting in Alaska. So I think that it's going to be fairly significant. And she also reportedly started campaigning like the day after Don Young died. So I'm also very suspicious for that because all of her logos just say Sarah for Alaska. Um, they don't really say like anything specific. So I'm like, does she just have these bumper stickers laying around just like waiting for somebody to kick the bucket somewhere i mean as do politicians do that joe can probably comment on that you know well i mean is it possible she was gonna is it possible she was just gonna run anyway i mean the guy was in his 80s so i mean even if he i mean you're not suggesting that she put something in his car didn't he die on a plane yeah didn't he slump forward and just quietly pass away yeah the man was was well into his 80s and and had been a member of congress for i think 49 years he was an institution right 
Right. Um, the 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 interesting thing from the Alaska standpoint is that you know it's there are other states that that are like this too, where they've got two senators but only one member of Congress, which means that the one member of Congress is actually more powerful than the two senators, uh, you know, on, on in the other chamber. And that's true. Like Wyoming or something? Like Wyoming, Montana. Yeah. Uh, are, okay. Are the two others where that's, where that's the case. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think the other interesting thing about this, this whole election too is, you know, about Sarah Palin just running in general, and this is why this came up, is that she doesn't exactly have the highest approval ratings amongst Alaskans because she is known for being the governor of Alaska, but she quit 18 months prior to the end of her term as the governor. And so she kind of started to seek out that life of fame and celebrity status and stepped away from politics. And so she's been out of politics for 14 years now. And so, as you said, Joe, like she is going to be, you know, if she if she wins the seat, then she would possibly be more powerful than the senators. And what has she done in the last 14 years to really prime her for the national stage? So, Ellie, hold on that thought because we okay. want to come back to it. That's sort of our third act here. I wanted to touch on the presidential election of 2008 in which she was the uh, vice presidential candidate and even though you may have been very young at the time uh, Ellie Joe and I were witnesses to history and we got to comment and make fun on all of this craziness that was occurring at the time on on both sides of the ticket September 3rd St. Paul Minnesota Governor Palin is formally accepted as the vice presidential running mate in the campaign at the Grand Old Party convention of living most of my life in a small town. I was just your average hockey mom and signed up for the PTA. (laughs) I love those hockey moms. You know, they say the difference between a hockey mom and a pit bull? Lipstick. You know, at the beginning of this program, Joe, we played the clip where she's announced by McCain as his running mate in Dayton, Ohio, on August 29th. Immediately following that announcement, he raised in just 24 hours $8 million, and he jumped in the polls over the Obama ticket by five points. And I mean, five points is a lot in a modern presidential race, so... I knew nothing about Sarah Palin before that announcement took place. Maybe you did. But initially, that looked to me like the most brilliant pick imaginable at the time. I mean, what, do you remember what you thought and what do you think now? Uh, you know, it, one, of the, one of the raps against John McCain at the time was that he was old. Um, yeah, right. And, and, you know, I think it was kind of the same kind of the same political calculus as Bush 41 putting Dan Quayle on the ticket, you know, to balance uh, an old guy, because Bush was old uh, when he ran, but balance an old guy with a young guy. And it, Dan Quayle got unmerciful amounts of grief for not being prepared enough to be the vice presidential candidate and having to learn on the job and so forth. And that was kind of the same attack that Democrats went after Sarah Palin for in 2008. Right, right. And that's not to say that it was necessarily a bad choice. I mean, eight million bucks is eight million bucks. And, you know, it yeah, clearly, that was just one day. It yeah. clearly energized at least some Republicans, you know, into taking a second look at John McCain because McCain was not all that popular among rank-and-file Republicans either at the time. Right, right. But I guess, I mean, since you, you went ahead and brought it up, I I, I mean, it, it was even, I, I hear what you're saying about um, Dan Quayle, but I think it felt like it got even uglier. You know, first she has this meteoric rise in, 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 uh, recognition name recognition and and people she really seemed to energize the party like you said he rose in the polls i'm sure you know obama was probably pooping his pants watching you know that that announcement in in his hotel room or whatever but for some reason it got even uglier than like a dan quayle kind of a thing and you know 
part of it was maybe she wasn't properly vetted or she wasn't properly coached or I mean I just felt like she got clobbered in the media and it just I don't know even at the time it seemed unfair to me you know I mean they were just they were just I don't know it was just uh gotcha questions and stuff like that the Katie Couric interview I mean what do you think well, I, you know, that it still amazes me to this day. I mean, among among people closer to my own age who used to watch Saturday Night Live, it still amazes me how many people think that Sarah Palin really did say, I can see Russia from my house. <laughs> because they they still remember that Tina Fey imitation of her and, and it's so etched in their mind. As Joe mentioned this famous Saturday Night Live skit, we thought it important to replay the clip for our audience, Ellie's age, who weren't following popular media back in 2008 and never heard the reference real-time. We hope we've provided enough context for all listeners of any age to judge for themselves. Clip is courtesy NBC Universal. All rights reserved. And now a nonpartisan message from Governor Sarah Palin and Senator Hillary Clinton. I was so excited when I was told Senator Clinton and I would be addressing you tonight. And I was told I would be addressing you alone. Now, I know it must be a little bit strange for all of you to see the two of us together, what with me being John McCain's running mate and me being a fervent supporter of Senator Barack Obama. But tonight we are crossing party lines to address the now very ugly role that sexism is playing in the campaign. An issue which I am frankly surprised to hear people suddenly care about. You know, Hillary and I don't agree on everything. Anything. that diplomacy should be the cornerstone of any foreign policy. And I can see Russia from my house. <laughs> but, but, but didn't she and McCain also appear on Saturday Night Live? Not, they not did. Only they, weeks later? They did. They tried to be good sports about it, and, and uh-huh. they showed up and, and, and did that, which was, I, I thought, a, a beautiful... Uh, thing to do because I mean it, it was them embracing the fact that you know they knew they were going to be a part of popular culture and you know they might as well try to uh, put their own spin on it or show that they could take a joke. Mm-hmm. So Ellie, kind of you know, without kind of giving up the whole third act about the congressional seat. I mean, even though you weren't old enough to vote in 2008. I mean, right now today when people and I'm sure she must be coming up in conversation as she's she's running. I mean, how did all of that shape the brand that she is now? So she goes from this sort of heroic figure, mayor, governor, and then, you know, the media starts effing with her and Saturday Night Live like Joe said. I mean, where does that what does that feel like to you living in Alaska? Yeah, I think it definitely, you know, put the whole state of Alaska on, on a, like under the microscope. And all of a sudden people were really starting to look at what she did as governor of Alaska. And then even prior to that on the oil and gas commission and Alaska has weird politics. And so all of a sudden you had this eagle eye on, on everything that she had done. And I think it was pretty uncomfortable for people who were involved in Alaska politics back then, just because Alaska is a very special state. It is the biggest state, like you mentioned, over twice the size of Texas. So we always like to say, ain't little Texas cute. But like, <laughs> you know, we, we also just have like less than 750,000 people. That's not a lot of people. So politics are right. different, right? Like it is, you know, it would be normal in Alaska. It's not allowed, but like it would be normal to probably spend more money on like wildlife research than it would be on education just simply because you have more wildlife than you do people. That would be unheard of in a place like Washington, D.C. And so, you know, when you I think it was just a very uncomfortable place for Alaska to all of a sudden just be thrust under the microscope with all of its 
just with with all of its weird politics and a lot of people who didn't understand you know the significance of oil and gas on the state and you know just how how politics work up there well and then i mean looking back and joe you could comment too i mean was were she and the state treated unfairly i mean is that when when people talk about they're like man they just went after us you know i i mean or are they like yeah yeah you know hey you got to take a couple of punches if you're going to, you know, your governor runs for president. So, I mean, what's the view? I don't know that, uh, I don't know that Alaska as a state was, was treated unfairly as much as she was. Um, okay. So she definitely was. Yeah. But I, I think she, she was treated unfairly because Alaska is a weird state and like has weird politics to begin that's, with. That's that I, I'd, I'd agree with that too. I mean, it is it is different up there. There's there's no question. But 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 as Joe and I know, I mean, the one of the biggest things that determine the outcome of that election, because for, you know, there in the summer, uh, the McCain Palin ticket was ahead of despite Barack Obama, you know, uh, sort of having the reputation of being very popular. He and Hillary Clinton fought through the primary season all the way into the month of June. I mean, they were neck and neck in terms of the um, in terms of whatever the the delegates that they needed. So, I mean, he kind of squeaked by in there. And meanwhile, McCain had, had sewed up the nomination, I think, right after Super Tuesday. So, you know, he was sort of standing on the island lines and everybody was watching, you know, Obama and Clinton slug it out. But then this thing called the Great Recession happened. And, you know, and that sort of changed the polling numbers. And I wonder if it hadn't happened, Joe, if it hadn't happened, would it have been possible that McCain and Palin would have won that election? Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. I mean, the, the, that was, you know, the, the 2007-2008 real estate bubble that burst mm-hmm. um, and and led to a real serious financial crisis. Uh, right. and, that, and that doomed John McCain's chances. It really did. Okay. Um, you know, it, it, there, there were people at the time who said, well, you know, the... The voters are just kind of sick of the Republicans generally. You know, they associated the Republicans with, you know, seven years of war uh, mm-hmm. since, you know, since the 9-11 attacks. And, you know, it right. was going to be a good year for the Democrats no matter what. But um, the the financial crisis that just got worse and worse over the summer of 2008 and into the fall of 2008 was just it was just perfectly timed to do them in no matter what. Mm-hmm. And then, but, but let's say that hadn't happened and they did win the election, even if it was a squeaker, then of course there would have been no Obama. And then would, and, and, and we know now that even though everybody was concerned about his age, then he continued, McCain continued to live and serve in the Senate for, you know, well into the next, uh, beyond what would have been his eight year term. So if he had served eight years, would there have been a Trump? following him i don't think so i don't either um i mean trump had had made noises previously about running for president but for years yeah i I think i think what probably made up trump's mind to run was um mitt romney in 2012 he probably looked at mitt romney and said you know i can do better than that um and that's probably when he started seriously thinking about it. I mean, I know he was thinking about it as early as like 2013, 2014, that he was seriously thinking about it. Mm -hmm. See, and I'd probably back up if we're playing hindsight 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was obviously the recession was bound to happen anyway. I think had it happened a little bit later and the McCain Palin ticket won, I think McCain would have been a one term president. Yeah, because I think the trigger was, I mean, all the the stuff was in place, all the securitized, blah, 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 um, stock market uh, nonsense was, had been sitting around for years. But, but what triggered it, I think, Joe, was the collapse of Lehman Brothers and the near collapse of Bear Stearns. And that's what spooked everybody. But, you know, they could have slid by for years more, right, <laughs> with all that stuff going, because we didn't know about it. I don't know. 
That's yeah, they could have just kept fake it, you know, fake it till you make it. <laughs> fake it, <laughs> fake it till after the next presidential election. <laughs> That was, uh, that's what Britney Spears said in court. We had that on tape in another episode. Fake yeah. it till you make it. So, <laughs> well, we, don't um, want, we don't want to get into the economics of it and, and subprime mortgages and all that stuff. But um, I, I, I don't think that anybody expected that something like that was going was gonna to happen that fast and, right. and that severely. Because um, yeah. it took them all by surprise. It did. The it, it, uh, the it across the spectrum. Quickly. Yeah, everybody was caught off guard. So, okay, so uh, Ellie, let's let's go back to where you uh, were a few minutes ago. You were starting to talk about the fact that uh, after the election, Sarah Palin resigned from the governorship. She didn't serve out the full term. Um, Eighteen months ahead of schedule, which uh, struck some people as odd. Now there seems to be some conflicting opinion on why she did this. Um, uh, apparently there was a lot of like nuisance lawsuits that were costing the state a lot of money to look into kind of FOIA requests about, uh, you know, alleged corruption and blah, blah, blah. And that was the official reason she left. Other people said, no, it was the show on, on TLC that, um, that she landed as a reality star. I mean, what, what do you guys think there in Alaska? Yeah. I mean, look. In her interview in like, I think it was like the summer of 2009, she said that, you know, she did resign because all these lawsuits were costing her in the state a lot of money. Right. So that's what's on record. She also said, you know, she was interested in just living a quieter life with her family and then went on to <laughs> have shows. And, you know, I mean, she did write a book. A lot of people write books that sell millions of copies. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be very famous. But, yeah, she did just end up kind of remaining in the the celebrity sphere for a while and really still is. Like, she's still just a household name. So, I mean, I think at some point, you know, you still need to make money. You know, if you have a celebrity status, you might as well just kind of keep it going. I mean, I was kind of reminded back to like when we did the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan episode, like Tanya Harding's still doing things where she can make money from her name. If you're, if you've become a household name, what's keeping you from, you know, making a little bit of a living just from, from the fact that people know your name, but it is suspicious. And a lot of Alaskans are very suspicious of the fact that, yeah, she was, you know, elected governor in 2006, really governor for like a year. And then she was tagged by the McCain campaign and then had like a year of whirlwind status on the McCain campaign. And then she resigned from the governorship. So, I mean, she was the governor, but for a very short period of time. And she really didn't, I mean, she has a pretty good track record of being governor you know what she did in her short time I think a lot of people are pretty indifferent to it they don't you know some people really love it she did actually a lot for like green energy but you know she didn't really have an opportunity to make that big of a difference for the state so I you know yeah most Alaskans are kind of I I think not super excited about her running well, and it's funny because you mentioned she wanted to have more of a home life. And yet that reality show that she signed up for, uh, which incidentally was uh, produced by uh, Mark Burnett, the guy who did The Apprentice and Survivor and, and a number of those other big hit shows. Uh, that reality show was called Sarah Palin's Alaska. And it was very much like the Kardashians or the Osbournes or what it was about her family, right? Weren't they cameras around? Everybody was in it, her husband, her kids. I mean, so <laughs> not really the quiet life to have, you know, a movie studio move into your house. Yeah. And it, and I, I think it fell off so quickly too, because people realized that it wasn't one of these, you know, survivor type shows or, you know, like life above the Arctic circle type living off grid shows. I mean, living in Alaska is very similar to living anywhere else in the lower 48, if you're near the major population center of like Anchorage or Fairbanks, you know, or even like Juneau. I mean, it's different enough, but it's, I mean, like we still have Costco, right? So it's not that much different. <laughs> um, I, so yeah, you, you have to, you have to make it a reality show, you know, that's more Kardashian-esque. Yeah, it only sell. lasted nine episodes, and the last episode was just a best of clips episode. But it's funny because the very first episode, they broke records for the Learning Channel uh, on initial viewership, so it fell off very, very quickly. 
Well, uh, people learned so everything they had to learn from the first episode. I guess so. Uh, I don't know. Joe, Joe <laughs> do you have any... Channel. As a, a media critic, do you have any uh, opinions or insights? The Learning Channel. Uh, I mean... That, TLC. Right? Yeah, That's I know. They, it. They, yeah. they shortened their name mercifully. Because um, <laughs> it, it ain't about doing no learning. Um. Well, they had some hit shows, didn't they? About like people who renovated houses and stuff. I mean, they had their share of those crazy shows that people right, liked, right? Right, and, and emphasis on the crazy. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I, I, I sympathize with with Sarah Palin's desire to to make a fast buck. Um, you know, once she was out of the uh, the national race and she had decided to leave the governorship, which was probably a mistake, but I, you know, I, I think she'd probably had enough at that point. Um, and, of the and, harassment. And yeah. I, I, you know, you reminded me of all that stuff about all the lawsuits that were going on. And yeah, and yeah. I, I, I can't really remember the details and whether or not that was just pure harassment and people who were, you know, who were trying to uh, make a name for themselves by going after her or if there was something really legit uh, that they were trying to get at. But, um, you know, again, Alaska is that kind of place where, you know, people will just say, you know, if this isn't what I want to be doing, I'm going to stop doing it and do something else. And I'm not going to feel obligated to stay in office and finish out my term just because that's what other people want me to do. That's, that's the kind of sort of individualistic attitude that, you know, that I think the state is kind of known for. Yeah. You live for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) You you don't live to please other people. Yeah. You know, I think it was a mistake on her part, not to, not to tough it out. If, If she really thought that she was going to get back into politics at a later time. You know, and that tells me that maybe she really didn't think she was going to get back into politics. She wanted to be on the sideline and she set up her own media business. And, you know, SarahPalin.com continues to have millions of followers and people who. And she had a political action committee for a while, didn't she? Yeah, she had a political action committee and she, you know, settled into that sort of kingmaker role you know where Mm -hmm. where candidates wanted Mm -hmm. her endorsement right because of the of the people who you know followed her and and listened to her advice and you can do that without being in office uh you can do that and and make some money on the side and it doesn't take a lot of effort to do that uh and i think that's probably where she was it allowed her to to finish raising her family um you know, and one of her one of her children is a special needs child, and so I mean that that takes a lot of effort, and that takes a lot of work, right? And it's funny because you guys are both emphasizing her independence. So, in, during that same period that she's doing that reality show, she releases a book that goes on to be a big bestseller, and it's called Going Rogue. And it sold over 3 million copies, which puts her either equal or exceeding uh, book sales numbers of other political figures such as Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama. So, um, so that was pretty successful. Well, th- um, that's only because I left all the good stuff out of the book. It's <laughs> <laughs> Joe's famous for his Bill Clinton impression. <laughs> we got to build a bridge, Joe. I've said this many times. I didn't tell all the stories about the El Camino. <laughs> okay okay I, so i think go ahead, i Ellen. think though you're you're right that like she did have she she was very rogue in in a good sense in her early career i mean when she ran for the governor she was underfunded she had significantly less funding than the than her democratic opponent and she also defeated the the incumbent Frank Murkowski, who was Lisa Murkowski's father. So I think it's like pretty significant. Like she, she had a very significant impact on voters. She was very likable amongst voters in Alaska. And, you know, she wasn't afraid to go rogue. And that really resonated well with like Alaskans, you know, back in the early 2000s. Well, even way before the whole McCain ticket. So yeah, she's, she's very independent mind mindset. I think that 
is always going to be a staple of her political legacy. Okay. okay, cool. So so finally we can let, let's go to the house seat which which is sort of the reason that 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 she sprang back on our ra- radar screen. She's running for the congressional seat, but she is not alone. She is going to be running or she is running against 49 other people. We mentioned one, Mr. Santa Claus, which may or may not be a, a credible candidate from your standpoint, Ellie, but but some of those other people are, right? Don't you have other local politicians and heart surgeons and, and, and uh, I mean, is her name recognition by itself with all the other things that we've we've identified, is that going to push her through to, to win this thing? Well, okay. So first we have to explain a little bit about this election cycle. So okay. This is a new do, type of election do. for Alaska. Oh. So okay. what's going to happen is, yeah, you're right there. I think there are 48 candidates. And I just received my ballot in the mail the other day. I haven't even opened it yet because I know it's going to take a long time to sit down. And I, I think every candidate deserves a Google, right? Like that seems fair. So it's going to take 48 Googles. It's going to take you a weekend. I know. So I'm, I'm, (laughs) I have some time blocked out for myself. So you're going to read all about Santa Claus, right? All about Santa Claus. I got to make sure I find the right Wikipedia page about Santa Claus, though. And so, so the this is a pretty this election is expected to have pretty high voter turnout because one, Alaska has a very high voter registration and very nice because we actually. So here's a fun fact that people are going to get all wrapped around the axle about, but we actually have have about 106 percent voter registration rate, and that is how is that possible. So that is possible because <laughs> you are automatically enrolled to vote when you apply for your permanent fund dividend, which is the oil money that Alaskan residents receive. So you have to actually opt out of voting registration status or voting status if you don't want to vote. Then Alaska has pretty high turnover, right? Like people who come up, you know, for the military and, you know, they'll get Alaskan residency. If you leave the state of Alaska, but you have an intent to return, you can still vote in Alaska as long as you don't ever register to vote anywhere else. So if people, you know, are in the military or something, as long as they're going to come back to Alaska with the intent of moving back to Alaska and they're not registered to vote anywhere else, you can still vote in Alaska. Also, this is so, so Mm. we'll come back to that in a second. So yeah, that sounds um, like that uh, you know presents the opportunity fraud. for yeah. yeah for yeah for fishiness yeah. But, but but there are other states that allow that too. Alaska is not the only really? one. Really? Yeah. Okay. However, this election is expected to have pretty high turnout turnout because this is the first time that mail in ballots or that all ballots are automatically being sent to everyone. So normally oh, you have to request okay. a mail in ballot. So if somebody mm-hmm. you know left Alaska, let's say they were up there for the military, or maybe they were born and raised in Alaska, but then they had to leave for job or, or college or whatever, and then they plan on going back, they would have to request a mail-in ballot in order to vote, which obviously takes a little bit more effort. But this is the first time that all registered voters are automatically receiving a ballot in the mail. So it's expected it. to have very high turnover, or I'm sorry, okay. very high turnout. And within that, you know, when you look at like the fact that you have these 48 candidates, so the highest, the the four candidates with the most votes will go into a runoff election in August. And those candidates, then those top four will be ranked choice vote. It'll be a ranked choice voting. So I think if I had to guess what's going to happen, I think Sarah Palin is running because I I think she'll make it into the top four. Like, I think she's there to kind of weed out some of the other distractors, like maybe Santa Claus, but also maybe some of the more... <laughs> yeah, like maybe... I, I think she's there to kind of help push out some of the more... Um, competitive distractors and like I won't say any names but I I think that's why she's there because enough people have name recognition enough people know who she is Alaska has pretty high turnover in residency anyway with oil and gas workers and with military that I think a lot of people are going to vote for her just by name recognition just because they've they know her but they they're not involved enough in Alaska politics because maybe they've only lived there two years and they only plan to live there another two years and then they're going to move away so I I think enough people are going to vote for her to get her in the into the top four and then, you know, that's taking a spot away from somebody else who would be pretty competitive. And then I don't I don't think she's going to win it be, beyond that. Hmm. So so 
that was probably a lot of in- information. Is Joe it, has a confused look on his face. Well, the I just a <laughs> wonder, uh, is there in-person voting in this election or is it all mail? Um, oh, that's a great question. I, I think it's, I think you can vote in person too. In a major I, city, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause there's I mean, a lot of Western states that have been doing mail ballots for decades just because of the practicality of they've got these vast pieces of land and it's just it would cost a gazillion dollars to try to put a precinct up everywhere in i on idaho or oregon or or utah or whatever well, right and, isn't and that the, but the difference is colorado that, is um, mail-in. yeah colorado is is mail-in and i think there are a couple of other states that are that are mail-in only Oregon might be one of those. Oregon, Utah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the the big difference I'm hearing here, though, is in that they automatically mailed out ballots to every registered voter. Is that a new thing? In other words, n- nobody has to apply for a ballot? Correct. So that's the new part. Or request a ballot. Right. Yeah, nobody yeah. had to request it. So every all ballots are just automatically being sent out to all registered voters, which is the way it is in a lot of states that do mail in ballots. I um I know for example that it's that way in Colorado as well. So if you're registered to vote, you just get a ballot in the mail when it comes time for election. Whether you're <laughs> whether you've registered to vote in another state or not. That's that's <laughs> That's the problem I have is that 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 is almost totally unenforceable. The idea of people who are uh, who left the state but plan at some point to return to the state um, and don't register to vote in another state is is something that Alaska would never be able to verify. I, it would be like a gigant, the biggest data project in the world for every single state to have reciprocal data sharing agreements with every other state on registration. Yeah, you're right. I don't see how that could possibly be enforced. And not only that, but um, my organization actually did uh, a study. Um, this was back, I think, in 2000, 2016 that they did this where they got they they hired one of these companies that does um mailing list cleanup for the big right. uh for the big data firms like Experian and people like that. Yeah. They hired one of these firms and they got actual voter rolls from about 22 states that would participate. They asked every state to do it. 22 states agreed to do it where they got the actual voter identification information, including partially obscured social security numbers. And they set these guys to work on a big data project to see if they could identify instances of duplicate voting. And they did identify about 4,000 instances of duplicate voting. Among um, 22 states? Among people, you know, who somehow fit into that uh, to that Gantt chart of of people who had voted in one two of states. 22 or two of yeah. 22 states. Yeah. Uh, which is not huge, but it happens. And um, right. You know, those with are probably beach houses. People, right. Those are probably people from Florida yeah. and New York or mm-hmm. California and Arizona or California and Utah, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But it was it said more about the fact that that 28 states would not put their voter rolls into that. That is what I mean when I say that that kind of thing is almost totally unenforceable. In the case of Alaska, you're not talking about an enormous number of people. So it probably hasn't risen to the level of a problem that, that somebody would blow the whistle on. But I mean, if that were California and they were doing that, well, I have intention to move back to California at some point. So, you know, so go ahead and send him a ballot. Well, I mean, that's that's that would be ludicrous in a bigger state with more people. Forty two million people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where it is going to get put under this under the microscope here after this election, because I I think with the with the fact that now ballots are automatically sent out to everyone and you don't have to request it. I think there is going to be a lot of question about the legitimacy of this election as well. Um, I also want to know whether the cat votes to move back. (laughs) I want to know whether the the cat 
whether the cat and Dal Keatna gets to vote too. I think the Dan cat is a super delegate, isn't isn't it, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. He, he probably does have super delegates. Delegate. <laughs> super delicate and super delegate status. Yeah, I think it's you know it's tough when it with when you also say like, do they have the intent to move back to the state? I mean, I I think Alaska is a really special place because a lot of people really want to move back there if they've lived there previously. But Alaska is such a such a delicate space, you know, when it comes to, to politics and protecting the environment and also having jobs. I mean, the, the main reason that a lot of people either come to Alaska or can't stay in Alaska is just because of the jobs, right? And, it, and employment. So it depends on what sector you want to work in. And so if people want to come back, they really should have a way to help make it a state that they can return to feasibly. I mean, if you, you know, work in pretty much any industry, you can you can make a living in California or New York. But if you are, say, a lawyer or something, you might not have a job available to you in Alaska. You know, I mean, they, they just have very limited industries that you can work in. And so um, I think I think having this rule of, you know, where you can vote if you intend to move back, I, I think that's legitimate. I, I see what you're saying about how it's really hard to enforce not voting in two places. So I am curious to see how that turns out as well. So to change the subject, so Joe, I wanted to direct this to you first. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that you'd, you'd love to see the GOP take decisive control over the House. So if Sarah Palin did win this seat, I, I'm guessing she has, you know, I can't think of a ton of uh, House Republicans except Liz Cheney and Kevin McCarthy and I bet uh, half the people in America haven't heard of them either but if she did win the seat would she even though she doesn't get elected to leadership would she be sucking all the oxygen out of the room and sort of controlling the agenda that these other guys would would uh, I mean how's everybody they're like oh man I hope she doesn't show up this is going to be nuts if she does what do they think um, no, I don't think that she would suck all the oxygen out of the room. Okay. And, and that's, uh, a, 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 that's a good question. Um, but I think the way the Republicans operate is a little bit different from the way the Democrats operate. Um, okay. you know, you can have someone like a, like a, an AOC right. who comes to Congress as a freshman, but has, you know, a very telegenic presence. Uh, you know, she's excellent on social media. She's right. pretty. She's uh, she's a compelling speaker to a particular um, to a particular um, uh, constituency and constituency. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and and she made a name for herself in Congress and in many ways, you know, became the face of the Democratic Party to a lot of people after uh, she got there and started running her mouth. Um, but the, re- <laughs> the Republicans Sorry. are, the Republicans are just, they're so much more organized and, and so much more disciplined, you know, to get along with the leadership and things like that, that uh, I, they'd love to have her. Um, but I think she okay. would be, I think she would be told very quickly that, you know, just the fact that you're here does not mean that we're going to suddenly put you, you know, put you on the marquee and feature you. You know, you are one of 220 other Republicans now, you know, and you should learn the ropes around here before you start uh, trying to, to grab the microphone. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so we are over our usual time. So I'm going to try to get us to wrap this thing up. Um, Ellie, you may have already answered this. Uh, You and your husband are going to have the opportunity to vote in this special election. And uh, I certainly don't want to ask you how you're going to vote, but um, uh, any other nonspecific thoughts you have on, on this election and the outcome for the immediate future of Alaska? Yeah, I mean, Don Young was a really good congressman. I mean, there's a reason he was in the seat for 49 years. And Alaska is at a pretty um, important crossroads where we really do have to decide what kind of state we're going to be with jobs and protecting the environment and, you know, what kind of industry is really going to make the state 
viable in the future. And so I think that whoever we elect to the seat really needs to have experience with both of those uh, areas, right, with environmental protection and with creating jobs. And they really need to have the connections in Washington to help make that happen. Does she have Um, those, do you think? You know, I don't, I, I initially, I want to say no, I really haven't. Like I said, I'm, I plan on sitting down with a beer and like taking a whole day to Google all the applic, you know, all, all the, um, all the candidates, but the, you know, there, there are very specific, you know, uh, candidates who, who Don Young, you know, was kind of prepping throughout the end of his life. Oh, and, really? You know, okay. kind of grooming for a potential run in the future. Ah. And so I, I think that a lot of those candidates are probably going to be more front running than Palin. Like I said, I, I really think Palin's going to make it to the top four, but I think she's not going to make it in the runoff. Oh, okay. And I, yeah, I, so, so, I, and I think it's just because she's been out of the political sphere for so long. And I think most Alaskans really do realize that we we need jobs, but we also have to save the environment as well. And so we're really at, you know, going to be at this turning point here pretty soon. And if you don't have the experience or the skills to navigate that, you know, that area, I, I think it's you're most Alaskans can agree that you're you're not ready for Congress. Hmm. Joe, a, you got any? I'm sorry. Well, I was first, just going to say, do you have any question, uh, final thoughts? Well, just first a question: Do does is this a special election uh, yes. that's going to be done this summer? Okay, so one of the thing that's possible, isn't it, is that they might elect Sarah Palin for the special election and somebody else in November. That is possible. That's what it says in in several articles I read. That she's only serving out the end of Young's term for this particular election. Right. I. That's the kind of thing I can see Alaskans doing just just to do it. <laughs> yeah, just just get somebody in there just to get a little bit of press, and then you know buy us some time for for another election. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure there are a, a, you know some very capable people who. <laughs> worked for Don Young for years or know a lot of the same people that, you know, that might be a smoother fit in that role, um, you know, as opposed well, to Sarah. I, I think they automatically would have been a shoe in, right? I think they, they, that a lot of those people who, you know, Don, Don Young worked with, I think they automatically would have been a smooth transition. I think it's just that the introduction of the Palin candidacy has just kind of like thrown a wrench in everything and, you know, just kind of added to the chaos of like Santa Claus and 47 other (laughs) candidates and Sarah Palin. And the fact that it's, you know, the first time that ballots are being, you know, sent out to every registered voter. I I think we're in for a pretty wild ride here over the next few months. A lot of, a lot of recounts in the next few months. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to be put under the microscope again, you know? Um, so I, I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions about Alaska politics coming up. here. Has Alaska had any experience previously with ranked choice voting? Um, we just did it with the, I, um, no, actually, is that what they did is... in New York City, Joe? Is that what that is? It, I mean, I, I did it um, in Virginia, for, but not for a regular election. Um, we did it for the primary or the, yeah, the Republican primary um, for the statewide elections. It was the first time that I'd ever done it. Um, and it is a little bit confusing. I mean, there were seven candidates for one race and five candidates for another race and four candidates for the third. And we're talking, you know, governor, lieutenant and attorney general. So you had to go in there and you had to put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven next to each one of them, as opposed to just checking the box for the one that you wanted. Wow. Um, And it made, it made the counting take a little bit longer than it normally does because you have to recount after every round of balloting. Ugh. I mean, you certainly wouldn't want to do that for 48 candidates. Um, but Ugh. if you get it down to four, it, it it probably will be okay as long as people understand what they're supposed to do. Well, it's just the four candidates with the most votes first. Right. 
and so then those will be the later ones on. to make the uh, the ranked uh, run. Okay. Yeah, okay. and th- this is the first the first election using ranked choice voting. So. And um, it's it's a yeah. nonpartisan primary, in essence. That's why you have Santa yeah. Claus and Sarah Palin on the same ballot. Yeah. Yeah, Santa is a Bernie Sanders fan. I understand. So, um, anyway, well, they probably have the Th- same mittens. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of people under four foot with pointy ears walking around them. Anyways, <laughs> I want to I want to thank our special guest Joe Duffus for joining us today, and and Ellie, thank you, and and and, and thanks so much for uh, sharing all this information with everybody. Well, thanks for having me, Thad. It was it was great to be here. Uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. Awesome. Yeah, and thanks Woo! for shutting the spotlight on Alaska. I'm sure there's a lot more spotlight to come, so we're just getting started. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're resting our case on this episode, folks. We hope you'll follow or subscribe to Scandal Sheet on your favorite pod platform and share it with all your friends. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a shameless, over-the-top rave review on Apple Podcasts especially. That helps us build audience. Also, we want to hear from you! You can reach us online at ScandalSheetPod.com, Facebook, or Twitter, or just send us an email to contact at ScandalSheetPod.com. We'll see you next time on... Scandal Sheets! Copyright 2022, Thad Helsley Media LLC. All rights reserved.